my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I have a shocking stat about how we're mistreating members of our U.S. military. Also, the mystery of how your unemployment money could have been stolen even if you have a credit freeze and have taken other precautions in your life. So, if you've listened to me for any period of time, you know how grateful I am to the brave men and women of the U.S. military. We in the United States have an all-volunteer military, something I'm not in favor of. I think that we should have some form of mandatory national service in the United States that could involve military or other things that we create this common goal and common purpose in the United States that we seem to have lost some connection to each other. But be that as it may, we have for several generations now been an all-volunteer military. And so people sacrifice much even if they don't come in harm's way or lose their lives, there's still a great sacrifice serving in the military. And in return for that, there are privileges that in theory are supposed to come with military service. One of them is that people who serve in the U.S. military who had college loans, federal college loans, that those loans after a period of time of service to your fellow American those loans are forgiven. Well, now a new report out finds that the U.S. Department of Education spit in the face of these brave men and women and rejected almost all of them. Mid-90s percent were rejected for federal student loan forgiveness. This is a parallel to what's happened with people who qualify for public service loan forgiveness. Almost none who ended up having their loans forgiven. Part of it is because uh, Betsy DeVos, who used to be education secretary and flouted the law because she hated the idea of student loan forgiveness. Shame on her. But this needs to be fixed. And the members of the U.S. Congress and the House and the Senate who talk such a good game about how they value the men and women of the U.S. military. We need more than words now. We need action. We need to see that those student loans are as promised forgiven because we made that promise to these men and women. And now, after they are willing to fight for our freedom, and potentially lose their lives to keep our nation free and safe, that we would rip them off and lie to them and cheat them on forgiveness for their student loans, I am infuriated by that. As for the idea of all of us having to provide public service, I believe that sometime between age 18 and 24, American men and women should have to serve a two-year cycle of service in some way, in the military, Peace Corps, 
um, AmeriCorps, something like that, where you were of service to our fellow Americans and our great nation. You know, today, I believe one of the reasons for the silly tribal nature of our political environment is that we don't know each other anymore. We don't know people from different walks of life, different backgrounds. And it makes it a lot easier to dehumanize. And I believe we need to have a sense of common purpose in the United States of America, this country that I love. You know, our risks don't reside in what foreign enemies might do to us. Our greatest risks are what we might do to each other. And we need to get back to having a common purpose in the United States. And I believe it starts with public service. Enough preaching from me. Now it's time for your questions. All right. Well, this is from Jackie in South Dakota. I love your show and have a question regarding my student loans. I have an old loan, which is currently under FFEL. I have just over $10,000 left. I've been listening and watching the current chatter about the proposal to forgive $10,000 of student loans. I did not qualify for the interest-free payments due to COVID, nor do I qualify for student loan forgiveness. Now that I've researched it further, I realize I should have refinanced into to a direct student loan and I would have qualified for forgiveness. However, I'm so close to just paying my loans off and there's the chatter of forgiveness. What would you do? Should I refinance the direct loan now so I have a chance of having them forgiven or do you think the FFEL will qualify? Jackie, impossible to know. I have a briefing for you at Clark.com. What hoops you have to jump through to... Uh, qualify for the current system of student loan forgiveness has different flavors and I would recommend that you go read that briefing there's no cost to you converting to a direct loan I do think there's a lot of momentum for some level of loan forgiveness there is great objection and polling to wholesale loan forgiveness much less to amount something like in the range of the 10 grand that has been bandied around recently. So I think there is an advantage to you converting to a direct loan. And again, that will be explained. You may know more even than we have on our briefing, but I would advise you to make that change. And you continue to make your payments. If loan forgiveness turns out to be a mirage, you'll pay off those loans anyway. If it does happen, then your loans will be cleared from the books. Christine is an active duty stationed in Germany. She says, I just added my 17-year-old as an authorized user to our credit card. Should I freeze his credit or wait until we've completed FAFSA in October of 21? Since we're in Germany, I will have to mail in all the documents to freeze his credit. I'm concerned about how difficult it may be to thaw it so he can apply for financial aid. Christine, generally... uh A minor's credit freeze ends at 16, specifically because of doing the FAFSA and other things that may be involved in a child going on to college. So I think it makes sense to leave the credit thawed for now. The greatest risk with child identity theft tends to be when a child is age zero to six, although it could happen at a later date. At this point, in this awkward stage leading to college, I think don't do credit freeze 
as soon as your son's in school and is an adult and can do credit freeze, that's when he should do it. And Brett in Ohio says, I just want to confirm that airlines are already using phantom nonstop flights. I booked weeks ago for a nonstop to San Francisco from Cincinnati, and I've already had my flight changed twice and to a one stop. One of the downsides is each time I'm switched, the chances of me losing my window seat go up. Yeah, this thing with the phantom flights is something that should have an emergency order issued by the U.S. Department of Transportation. If you're not aware of what this is, airlines are on spec posting flights for uh, that don't exist. There's putting them in the computer systems, seeing what people book. They're putting a lot of uh, amazingly convenient nonstops to get money in from people, get bookings, and then mysteriously the flights are canceled weeks before departure is the reality is the flights never actually existed. There should be a truth and scheduling action done immediately by the DOT or airlines should have to pay some kind of full refund plus a penalty fee to people when they book you on a phantom flight. These are flights for which there's no aircraft, no pilots, no flight attendants. They're just made up flights and flight numbers. And Andy in Georgia says we'd reserved a beach house for a vacation and paid the deposit and signed a contract. Last night, I got a text saying that the contract had been canceled. I inquired as to why, and the owner said that our contract was, quote, a mistake. We are getting a refund, but the bottom line is that we had set up plans for our kids to visit and that the same condo is back up on the site and, of course, is asking for a higher rent. When we talked with the rental site, they said owners can cancel. Oh, name them. VRBO. What do they call themselves? Verbo? They said owners can cancel contracts for any reason. If this isn't fraud, it certainly is unethical. So first of all, VRBO doesn't decide what the law is. And the odds are that you paid for the stay. The stay had clear rules on when it was potentially refundable for you. And in the contract you agreed with the renter of this property, they may have reserved a period of time where you could get a full refund and they in turn um, could decide to back out. After a period of time when the deal goes hard, it's like if you look on Airbnb, they'll tell you what the policy is on you being able to cancel. This is at a minimum a terrible abuse of you because you laid out money in good faith. The owner of the property says, hey, wait. Bookings are really solid now. We can make a lot more money. And they rooked you. So was it legal? It's not for VRBO to decide. That would be up to you if enough money's involved to have a lawyer review the original agreement you made with the VRBO landlord and see if you do have grounds of action against that landlord. But it is a lousy, dishonest, unethical way for this VRBO landlord to do business. And I'm really, really sorry, Andy, that this happened to you. Because now replacing that beach house, as you will find, will be significantly more money. You have been harmed, which is if they have violated the contract, is real grounds for financial penalties 
that you might earn if you were to go after them legally, but you got to have the lawyer tell you how ironclad your rights would be under the contract. And I am not a lawyer. Coming up next, so many people have been victims of identity theft and an unemployment ID theft scam and couldn't figure out how it happened. It turns out there's an incredible, unbelievable loophole that has made it possible for identity thieves to steal billions. So we have taken so many questions and heard from so many desperate people who in the midst of the last year plus of the pandemic, their identity was stolen for many different purposes. But one of the most common was to falsely apply for unemployment compensation, unemployment insurance, uh, pandemic unemployment assistance, as if they were you. And so they abscond with money, and then you get what's known as a 1099G, where you're getting taxed on money that you never got that was stolen by a crook. So I first saw in the New York Times, and now I've seen other stories about it, you're absolutely not going to believe how this crime took place. This is so far beyond belief, I cannot imagine. Most of, st- of the states allow an exemption from credit freeze for insurers. Insurers lobbyists were able to convince either a state insurance commissioner or department head or a state legislature to exempt out insurers. Like if you go apply for auto insurance, you have a credit freeze in place. The insurers in most states are able to take that application and check your credit without you first thawing your credit. And they were like, you know, credit freeze, it's really about people applying for credit. So it really shouldn't apply to us checking up on you when we're trying to decide whether we want to insure you. And in isolation, that seems to make sense. But it gets ugly, according to the media reports, and there's a beautiful explanation about this ugly thing in the New York Times. But here's what happened. A number of auto insurers, if you put in somebody's name, will autofill the rest of an application to try to make it as easy as possible for you to apply for an auto insurance policy. And it turns out that two of the big insurers were particularly vulnerable to having the autofill that a criminal was able to take just a little bit of information about you, plug in your name, and then the insurer would autofill the forms that you could then write down and use all that to have everything you needed to defeat the fraud identification system at a state unemployment office, take over someone's identity, and receive falsely unemployment as if you're them. Sent to you electronically, and the thief runs off with the money, and you're left trying to clean up the mess with the IRS and with your state 
unemployment office, your labor department. Okay, this is bizarre and unbelievable because it's costing us as taxpayers billions and billions and billions of dollars that fraudsters stole from our pandemic relief. And New York Times reports that both Geico and Progressive were doing this autofill thing. And in fact, this has been a problem in so many states that the state labor departments are having to slow walk unemployment applications to take other steps to see whether or not they are fraudulent applications for unemployment or real ones. This is shocking. And this happened to many people who have credit freezes in place, which brings back why are insurers given this special carve-out? It needs to be taken away. And automobile insurers need to stop auto-filling applications because, see, they already know from industry sources everything about you, and they can just fill out that whole application for you. And the way they discovered at the insurers and with fraud investigators and all that, that the problem was emanating from auto insurers was the number of abandoned insurance applications skyrocketed. So the criminals, once they cracked the code and they were able to find your personal information, they would just put in one person's name after another, after another, after another, after another. And one crook, one crook could steal millions unbelievable and this must be addressed this must be fixed i don't even know what to say krista it's so in the realm of bizarre it's awful well this is awful too nate in new york says i've recently received welcome emails from many different institutions congratulating me on opening an account i did not open any of these accounts they include bank and debit cards ppp loan applications and other websites Many of these institutions don't have a way of contacting a live person, so I've been unable to close the accounts. Someone is clearly trying to steal my identity and my credit is frozen. What else do I need to do to protect myself and or to get this to stop? Oh, boy. So I'm looking at the organizations where people have been able to open accounts, and many of these are not credit cards. They're not things that normally apply under credit freeze. So you have a situation where you have criminals who were applying for PPP loans, then depositing the money into accounts, applying for PPP loans as if they were you. That's the payroll protection program loans. And then depositing them into these accounts where the money would post onto a debit card, never touching a normal application for credit that would be blocked by you opening a traditional bank account or by you opening a credit card or crook opening as if they're you. Uh, We are going to send you back some information, Nate, because we found some phone numbers that you should be able to reach a human at some of the financial institutions where these fake accounts were opened. And this just shows that the layers of identity theft just go on and on as criminals exploit weaknesses 
weak points in the system and so much of it think about how this is related in a way to what we were talking about with unemployment a second ago that it's all related to ad hoc emergency programs that the government designed to try to get us through the pandemic without having another great depression Stephanie says, I'm trying to get pre-qualified for a mortgage on a vacation home. TransUnion sent a report to my mortgage lender saying my credit score is 800. However, the amount of my revolving accounts is too high. I use my two credit cards to purchase essentials and have always paid my balance every month on both accounts. Both credit cards offer a reward program, so I use them to pay for everything I can. My only other debt, other than my mortgage, is a recently opened store card to purchase new appliances. Could you explain why having high credit card charges paid off every month would not be considered for approval? By the way, I have considerable assets that I could pay cash for another property. What gives? So what gives is paying your credit card balances in full when you run balances through the closing date creates a picture of high revolving debt obligations. Weird, right? So you pay the bill net. You have no ongoing balance. But during the billing cycle, you do run a balance. They have a closing date. They send you a bill to pay those off. The way you manipulate this to reduce the impact it's having with the mortgage scoring is you sign up for online access. You may already have it to these credit card accounts, these two credit cards. Pay the balance that you have four days before the billing cycle ends. That way, the balance that will be reported will be negligible, close to zero, and your ratios will look completely different to the mortgage underwriters. If you don't quite follow what I'm saying, let's say at your closing date, you have a balance on a card of, let's say, $5,000. And you know four days out that your balance at that point, let's say it's 3800 4800 whatever, whatever it is. You just pay that amount, maybe a little bit more as a cushion, and have that payment received before your statement cycle closes. Then the balance that's reported on your credit report is a tiny amount, and your ratios look a whole lot better. David in Michigan says, Dear Clark, not too long ago you warned us about fraudulent listings for apartments and houses. I found these thieves often steal sweet photos from other listings to sweeten the bait, which means doing a reversed image search can help sniff out the fakes. If your dream apartment's photos show up on a valid listing in another state, stay away. For those using Chrome, a reverse image search is as easy as a right click and pressing the S key on the photo. Hope that helps. David, you're a genius. Krista, you need to explain this to me because I'm a techno idiot. Right so, click, hit S. And it shows, and it shows the original all the source. Where, it could, where it's been used. Yep. So it shows original source and you'd know that it was not phony. So that works easily for Chrome. Yep. Okay. Love it. Thank you very much for the suggestion because the thing with the copied fake real estate listings for rental properties is a massive problem where people think they're renting a property and it's actually owned by somebody else or being sold by somebody else and you lose all the money you pay. Often they'll get a security deposit from you first month's rent and that money did not go to an owner of a property, it went to a thief. 
And I want to thank you so much because, David, that's a perfect example of being a member of Team Clark. For more consumer advice, you can contact Team Clark. Just go to clark.com slash CAC.